Welcome to the podcast of Inspiring Women in Hospitality. I'm Noreen Ahmed, your host. Each episode, I invite a woman from the hospitality industry to share her story with us, why she got into hospitality, her journey so far, her learnings, and who inspires her. On this episode, we hear from Maria Pierre, recorded in October 2022. She describes herself as a curious person, not sitting still and asking questions and listening to yourself, which has guided her on her career from business development to investor in hotel real estate. All right, we're now recording. Hello, everyone. Noreen here. Today I have with me Maria Pia. Maria Pia, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Noreen. It's my pleasure. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, this is always a bit of a difficult question because you never really know where to start and where to end. Uh, but uh, I'll go with the, with the eye level uh, first. So my name is Maria Pia, uh, also known as MAPI, especially within the international community. Uh, I come from a small town in uh, southern Italy. Uh, I, was, uh, I grew up in a beautiful family. Uh, spent uh, in Italy most of, you know most of my time until I was 25, but when I was 19, I already left uh, my hometown, and uh, and that was to go you know to go studying abroad. Uh, sorry, to go studying in uh, in other places. Uh, but before I get there, and then because that definitely uh, that was the beginning of my love for the industry for hospitality. Before I get there, I also want to tell you a little bit more in general, the fact that I am a very uh, curious person, uh, always asking questions. Uh, I still have, uh, I, I, I hold very jealously this beautiful book that my parents gave me when I was six. It's called, I think the English translation is something like 365 wise failure. Sure. It's uh, it's just because I was always asking questions since then, and so they give me okay. That's you have your 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 you know your, <laughs> your <hobby>. answers. <laughs> um, I always uh, I like to engage in conversations when I speak with people. Um, so I'm I'm curious. I I'm curious to understand them. I think I'm empathetic. I just uh, I just uh, love to hear their stories. Um, and you know, help them if I can. Um, I I love. Yeah, I love traveling as many, many people and as you, as many people for sure, listening to this podcast and, and, and following you and your community. Um, yeah, I was somebody who is learning constantly, uh, listening to podcasts on many different things, uh, trends, new trends in technology, in uh, social, how social behavior is changing, um, our industry, uh, people I admire. So always like learning something new, basically. That's really that's really me. Uh, uh, somebody constantly uh, never standing still, always restless. I think it's a good uh, it's a good summary. That's a really nice summary. And I think I will say having interacted with you on other platforms and other settings, uh, your love for asking questions, I'm very grateful for because you ask the questions that perhaps I was thinking about, but too afraid to ask, but you ask it anyway. So I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> so now tell us a little bit more about how you got into hospitality. Why hospitality in the first place? Yeah, I think it has to do, uh, I mean, I have to go a little bit backwards a few years ago, um, several years ago. I think it all started when I was in my, you know, when I, 
busy like secondary school. I was 12, 13. Uh, so as I was saying before, my parents are, you know, I, I grew up in a very, I'm very grateful. I, I, have, I have a great family. But uh, I can't say I used to go traveling with my parents because we didn't really do, we, we never really went abroad uh, as far as I remember. Uh, in fact, they started going abroad with us. I say us, me and my sisters, because then they would like visit us and, and then they we would do things, family gather, gatherings, and that's when we would go abroad. But otherwise, my very first experience abroad was when I was 12. And then again, when I was 13, there were summer camps I was doing uh, during my my secondary school. And there, there were summer camps in, in, uh, in England, UK, England specifically, in the countryside of uh, beautiful England. And that was my first, uh, my first, like say, approach to to different cultures, different communities, different places. Uh, during one of these, uh, as I said, the summer camp, whilst I was studying as part of the English uh, course, the course I was doing. After that, another pivotal experience was when I turned eighteen. Rather than asking my parents for a big party, you know, which is I guess quite classic, I asked for a month in Edinburgh. So it was uh, summer, it was uh, end of June, uh, spent all July effectively uh, in, uh, in rainy Edinburgh uh, for my, just a few days after my birthday. Uh, I was staying with a family, uh, a lady actually. And then in there, we were eight people from eight different countries effectively living with this uh, Scottish lady. Uh, and I still remember that the place was, was populated with owls of any forms and shape. They were like, of course, they were not real. I mean, most probably at night, they would be also some real ones. But I remember she had owls everywhere in the house, everywhere outside, in the garden, everywhere. It was quite spooky, that I remember. Uh, it was a tough experience, I can't deny, because she was quite special. And, and you know, as I said, I, I there were, were eight of us from eight different countries. And that was really the very first time I was out on my own. Uh, living with so many people from many different cultures and, and places with, with different cultures and places and habits and so forth. And that was again to learn English. Uh, so great experience after, overall to stretch myself even further. So when the time came to choose my university when I was 19, then I, yeah, of course I had my father on one side, oh yeah, you should study business administration, you should study economics and all these things that are secure and safe and and yes, I was there saying, oh, yeah, but I love traveling. I love speaking to, you know, getting to know other people. I like feeling comfortable wherever I go, even if it's different from what I'm used to. And so then I chose something quite different from what he was recommending, which was um, a, a first level degree um, in uh, tourist uh, sciences. I would yeah, translate it, tourist management, say. So it was a good mix between uh, managerial subjects and um, and social subjects. So anthropology, sociology, psychology, all although from a from the um, perspective of 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 tourism of the tourism industry. So I loved it, absolutely uh, enjoyed all of it. But I have to admit, um, little by little. I so throughout these three years, because it was first level degree in Italy, I did the first level and the second level. So the first level, three years during this time, I realized that yes, I loved it. I learned lots of things um, about also the human being, but I was more and more interested in uh, more manage more managerial skill um, subjects after all. So 
So my father was, I mean, I, I then understood where he was coming from a bit later, but uh, I, I just wanted them to recoup what I had missed. So what I did um, after my first level degree, I did like a continued in tourism, but from a managerial perspective. So I did additional two years. And when I gained a degree effective in business administration with a concentration in, in, in tourism. Mm-hmm. And in those two years, I really focused more on, you know, accounting, uh, statistics, mathematics, um, uh, financial mathematics, or economics, macroeconomics, all these subjects which were really foundations to probably better understand companies and, and the system where companies operate. Companies operate. Um, during these five years uh, of, of study, I did different internships. Uh, some of them were, um, say, more operational. For example, I worked in a um, in a resort in Puglia, uh, which is actually the region I come from, uh, in the marketing division, division of this eco-resort. Nice, but I, I said, okay, I like this, but not passionate about it. So, picked. Um, I also, I then moved towards um, another in- internship, much more on the business side. So it was with a tourist, uh, with the Italian Association of tourist, uh, tourist, um, uh, Tour Operators. That was nice because um, it allowed me to really understand like a, a different aspect of the industry. And that was the tour operating industry, right? Uh, so I moved from a specific pro- property to the industry to tour operating. And then because of that, and I was like, okay, let me go back to operations. There was another internship I did. Let me go back to operations from looking at things from the operator perspective. And that's when I was uh, working for as a uh, representative of a tour operator, a major one at that time, no longer existing, I'm afraid. Uh, but I would say a competitor to Alpi Tour, if it gives an indication. Um, so I was working for a Eco Resort in Sardinia at the time. So it was great experience, four months during summer in Sardinia, like really assisting custom being the face, um, in the representative of the tour operator towards all those people who had booked to stay there with that tour operator. So understanding the issues, maybe being the point of uh, the liaison between uh, indeed uh, the various departments in the hotels, um, on behalf of the operator and the customers. So great way, I guess, to also put my feet, you know, my uh, deep down into operations, but to then also understand, okay, this is also beautiful, still like the industry, probably not really what I want to pursue further. Not still in it, but I don't want to really continue from this, from this angle. So uh, that was at the end of my five years, okay? So my five years of university. After that, I said, of course, it's probably many of us I had no clue what to do in terms of what, do I, what, what job do I do? I mean, okay, I like, I like the industry. I've tried a few things, not really passionate about any of 100%, you know, to follow my career about any of them. And so I spoke to a teacher and in urban planning, and she advised me to do this master in um, uh, territorial marketing. So really focusing on... <laughs> on the actions that the, the, ter- the territory would implement to attract investments. So mm-hmm. yeah, local investment, I mean, investments for the local community. But the more I was doing that, the more I realized that after all, what I really loved was the opposite, internationaliz- internationalization. Um, 
I actually didn't want to focus just being in Italy and attract foreign investments. I actually wanted to go abroad and and explore and see other things. So that's when I said, okay, that's I finished the master when I I was already in London at the time. I finished it, but in the meantime, indeed, I spoke to various people who could telling them, look, I want to go abroad. I want to start working abroad. I have this degree in tourism. You know, sp spread the word to your contacts. Until a point where I got an interview uh, with the CEO of an architectural firm called Design International in London, managed by an Italian friend of a friend. And so that's how it all started. I started with an internship, um, six months, became one year. And then there was a permanent contract in a business development. Um, and then and then during what, what was happening is that I would participate to this um, then great meetings where there were you know surveyors, architects, designers, the investor, all the various players who work on a project. And then me, yeah, understanding tourism in general, but without really gasp grasping fully. I mean, just grasping, I would say, without understanding fully what was going on, but still excited about this mixed mix use scheme. And I remember very vividly that the asset class that I really, that was giving me more goosebumps, was really exciting me the most among all, you know, retail offices, the shopping center, the whatever, the park, the residential. Well, the asset class was the hotel. And, uh, I said, okay, gosh, these hotels, I really like them. I studied them as part of the tourism industry back in those days. I thought it could be hotel operators, not really, kind of resort operational side, not really. But hotels, like from the investment perspective, yeah, wow, this starts, you know, making sense. The moment that was really like pivotal in my career um, was, uh, I mean, in defining my career, was an encounter I had with, um, I think you know her, Irene Hook. Mm. Yeah. So I met her when she was uh, head of uh, development for Intercontinental. And that was because of the, one of these mixed use schemes we were working on in somewhere in Europe, I don't remember now. But I remember talking to Irene through another colleague. Oh yeah, I want to introduce you to this lady. Uh, she runs up like the Intercontinental luxury brand for Intercontinental hotels. And uh, yeah, you like her. Well, I loved her more than that. So I, I saw her coming in a beauty, like oh, beautiful as always, and, and like explaining the brand, explaining what she was looking for, <clears throat> how it works, you know, to develop, to bring a new say, Intercontinental at the time in a specific location. And I said, okay, wow, that's it. I want to do this job. I want to do development for a hotel company. And so what happened was that then this desire became stronger and stronger. And so I said, okay, fine. I want to increase my, I want to improve my education. I understand when I sit at these tables with people, I don't understand how really an investment works. I need to improve this knowledge. Initially I thought an MBA, but I said, no, it's not an MBA. I like hotels and I like real estate. So chose, I had a few ideas in mind, but then I chose to apply to Cornell, the, the master degree in uh, real estate finance, in hotel real estate finance, got a position, I got a, you know, got accepted and then took a month for myself to decide. It was May, it was April, 2010. And a month later in May, I was, uh, yeah, I was in Ithaca. Um, and um, 
uh, yeah, sorry, I just uh, I, I was so excited. I'm so excited that I lost the the the, the train of thought. Um, ah, yeah, and that's when I was there. Cornell. So I did an internship at Marriott headquarters in development, thinking that that was really what I wanted to do. But only a few years later, I realized that after yes, it was development, but it was more investment. So not for a hotel company, but effectively developing through acquisitions, not through new agreements uh, on behalf you know, of, a, of, a, of a hotel company. But of course, this comes a bit later in the story, so I'll tell you a little bit later. But that's how basically it all started, I think, when I was 12, 13 with these trips, and then, um, and then tourism, from tourism, hospitality, and then Irene, and then Cornell, and then the experience that came after, and that's yeah. uh, that's where I am. No, I think, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about being someone who likes to learn, you know, constantly learning, you know, and that's what you really, that's what I felt was demonstrated throughout this story that you just explained, like you wanted to learn, you wanted a new experience, you kept asking questions as you do, <laughs> but I think you were asking yourself, challenging yourself in many ways to say that, is this something that I really want to do? What are the things that really excite me? And listening to yourself, I think that was something that was important. Like, okay, what's giving me the goosebumps? What's giving me the excitement and understanding? Okay, I've done this, but it's not quite this. It's something else. And it's something, and then kind of keeping an open mind to understand what that something else is to eventually understand that this is what I want to be doing and learning along the way and understanding that you do need to kind of, to get to a different position, you need to do different things as well. You're right. That um, thing of really always checking with yourself where you are, where you stand, whether you're happy or something is missing, I guess it's very important. Yeah. Because um, yeah. you're the only person who will know what's missing, right? Yeah, like absolutely. No one else is going to be able to tell you that. Yeah. And then also don't think that, oh, yeah, it's probably too late. It's, you know, which is something yes. we, we tend to, unfortunately, quite a lot, especially as women. It's a bit too late. I mean, the time has passed, and we we know perfectly that's that's not true. Um, of course, I mean, let's say um, if I now wanted to, you know, become a doctor, well, it's a bit of a different story. Clearly, nobody is saying that I can't. Of course, um, it is more difficult. This is an extreme case, of course. It is more difficult, but technically, it is possible. I actually have an example of someone who did that. I have a cousin, oh, a second yeah. cousin. She was in her 40s when she decided she wanted to become a doctor. Wow. And then she went and did it. You know, I mean, she had a completely different background. I mean, she was a dancer before. I mean, oh, that's gosh. how yeah. different her her trajectory was. And she'd already had two kids at this point as well. So it's amazing. You're absolutely right. It's never too late. So, you know, check in with yourself. Make sure you're doing what you are meant to be doing and you or keep asking yourself the questions you know don't just be satisfied with the status quo and say okay is this my life now and i'm kind of going through that same experience now you know after being 12 years with the same company although i change roles a lot i'm now going mm -hmm. through a different phase where i'm kind of trying to figure out okay what is that next for me all right okay. so now are you doing 
Well, I mean, I guess to keep in theme with it, I mean, in maybe 10, 15 years time, we can revisit this conversation and find out if you're still doing what you're doing today. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, let's do that. This is a promise, okay? <laughs> but let's talk a little bit more about what it is you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one step back. Um, when I finished at Cornell, uh, when I finished Cornell, I moved back to London where I was living, okay, before, before leaving. Uh, and I started doing exactly what I studied. Um, in other words, I joined various uh, companies, global companies in uh, commercial real estate. Uh, first, I was a, was a with Colliers as a, an advisor in the hotels team, EMEA. Um, and the idea was feasibility studies, operator selections. So then it's when you really get uh, start working with, say, most of, the case, most of the times with a piece of land, what you do with it, you start thinking about the facility mix, uh, what kind of asset you should think of based on where you are and based on what you have around you. Um, and it's also when you decide, okay, based on this, what is the right operator to manage that asset? Because usually that is the answer, the question that the developer that had bought that land was, was thinking to buy the land would ask us to also assist in the selection of that, uh, the best operator for that, uh, that location. Uh, so that was really a great opportunity to, to start thinking with um, like like the like the like the developer effectively uh, like somebody who most of the times had a, a short term horizon was would acquire a piece of land to create something and most of the times then sell it uh, to somebody who was looking for something a bit more stable and, and so you know it was a, it was really the first time I would start thinking in a more um, in a different way so once again in a with in a more business way, let's say, compared to what you learn, these things you don't learn in these schools. Yeah, you, you study some business cases, you try to understand, okay, that's such and so, such and so, such and you know, so and so, uh, that's so and so, and that's the issue, how would you solve it? But really, it's as much as it then, you know, it tries to replicate reality, it, it never is. So that was really the first time I started looking at things with the eyes of reality. Um, after three years at Colliers, I wanted to become even more technical, especially when it comes to assess um, uh, being more comfortable with profit and loss statements, with real numbers, with the performance of existing hotels. And so the best way to do that, in my view, was to become a valuer. So I moved to what was before the beginning DTZ, but then uh, DTZ acquired Cushman and Wakefield and uh, became in the end Cushman and Wakefield. So then I followed the the path to become a charter surveyor. And as a charter surveyor, I was working within the uh, European team uh, doing valuations, yeah, doing hotel valuations effectively. So the two things were you know, very good then. Uh, first, as I was saying, I became much more, uh, much more skilled in terms of uh, uh, PLs. So what to really expect when a hotel does well, when, when it does poorly, how the the sources of revenue or costs change based on the type of hotel and based on the type of location. You know, the, these things, it, it's nice to then be able to also then when you're later on in my career, and when I, I'll go there in a second, in my, now in Citizen M, of course, all this knowledge about the right ratios, how things should perform, what should be the right, uh, the, the, say, healthy bottom line on a, on a per key basis, it's quite important. And then this knowledge was definitely developed during my time at Cushman Wakefield. First, first great thing. And then second 
great thing of working in a commercial real estate firm, which by the way, was also confirmed at Collius, was the fact that because you work in a commercial firm, you also have access to other asset classes. So sometimes you work on an assignment, which yeah, you're working on the hotel, on the hotel piece in that, in that mixed use scheme, but guess what? You're working closely with your other colleagues who are then also creating, I don't know, probably it's part of a master plan, including an office building, uh, some shops and some residential, including BTR, you know, built to rent versus um, assets, you know, for ownership and so um, houses for ownership and so forth. So it becomes, once again, improves even further your ability to think from, uh, to think like an investor, like a developer, like somebody with the capital. After three years, also three years in Cushman, um, more and more I became aware that as much as I liked assisting different types of clients, um, and in Cushman, by the way, was also lots of banks, lots of people needing valuations for loan purposes, lots of investors looking at opportunities. Uh, so once again, uh, the investor perspective, the more I, the, the more time was passing, the more I would realize that yeah, okay, I like all this, great knowledge, but now it's time for the next uh, next challenge. And that next challenge is investments. Uh, I had no doubt that uh, the next thing I wanted to do was really, as you would say, when you're an advisor, you're in, in, in a consultancy, is I wanted to move on the client side. <laughs> so uh, I remember meeting um, my... Uh, my boss at the time, and my, he doesn't like the word boss anyway, but uh, my supervisor, Jasper Mueller, at, uh, was no longer, you know, we then decided to go for for, for different things, um, and, and somebody I extremely admire right now. But anyway, at that time, when I, I met Jasper at a conference in you know, real estate, general real estate, um, and then, of course, I was already a fan of the company. I really loved talking about Citizen M. I really loved what they do and now for, for what thinking they are at the forefront of everything, at the structure they are, all these these beautiful things we know about. So I met him. I said, oh yeah, really, Susan? Oh gosh, I love the company. And that's how, of course, we created a connection straight away and we kept in touch. We kept in touch, we kept in touch until, and that's the importance, of course, of networking. That is, is. I remember actually, um, I open a parenthesis and I'll close it down you know, very quickly. <laughs> When I was at Cornell, at the end, we were all giving a pin to, you know, the, the it's not the teachers, no, the, 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 the classmates were preparing together a pin for each of us. And the pin I received, which I still have, by the way, is the best networker. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one something I'm very proud of. Uh, and I'm sure, I mean, I, I feel like since I moved to the Netherlands, I have lost a little bit of a of uh, I should polish this a bit better, let's be honest, because I don't have the, the thousand opportunities that I used to have in London mm. here. Uh, but uh, I always take the opportunity whenever possible to come to London, to go to wherever else, to go to one of these our beautiful you know, industry events and talk to people and connect and, and create beautiful memories because they will definitely, as we all know, they will definitely pay off later on. The industry is small. It's made of people who like it. You know, we enjoy each other's company, and so it's good to be able to create these relationships. You can go back to when the time is right. Uh, so yeah, I, we kept in touch. Close the parentheses of uh, Cornell and, and the importance of networking and the, you know and, and all that. 
I kept in touch with Jasper until a moment when he said, oh, there is an opening for uh, you know, development and investment director in Europe. Um, this is the link, please apply. Okay, so the, the, that's great. I mean, I never thought about moving to the Netherlands, but you know, in fact, uh, when, I mean, I went to the post process and which was in summer, so it lasts like three, four months, uh, at the end of which I got, a, I got the job. Um, and I said to myself, gosh, what do I do? Because in the meantime, I was talking, I was with Cushman Wakefield, I was in the process of moving to Spain because that's what I wanted to do, really. I wanted to explore. I mean, I just had the desire back then, it was 2017, really the desire to, to live in Spain. So I was moving uh, within the valuation team in Spain. And I said, okay, what do I do, gosh? I have the opportunity to work in the country where I really want to be but doing something which I like, but I know after all, it's not going to be what I want to do for the rest of my life or going to a country where, which I've never considered to move to, but uh, in true fairness, although it's a beautiful country, absolutely. Um, although it's doing something I really want to do. Of course, um, I mean, it didn't take me long to, to, to decide, um, considering I am very ambitious and I am, you know, I really, as I said before, I, I, I don't like standing still. I'm a restless soul and I always like to progress. So, of course, I came to the Netherlands. Uh, and by the way, um, this was just two after, sorry, two weeks after I had signed on, on, my, on my flight in London. Uh, two weeks after. Okay, so that's, that's quite something. And, uh, and then, yeah, I moved here at the end of 17. It has been almost five years in Citizenham, and it has been a great, uh, a great time. Um, really uh, learning a lot. I was keep, I really, I thank a lot Jasper and, and whoever decided to hire me at the time because, um, yeah, because after all, I came here to do deals without having a track record of doing deals. I was an advisor, I was a valuer with lots of desire, lots of uh, determination to make this happen. But after all, with no track record of, of closing a transaction. And they gave me the chance. And um, as far as I know, they've been happy since uh, then. Uh, but you know, I was lucky because I got somebody who saw beyond what was just written on my CV. Uh, and, and that's just something I'm, I'm sure that not everybody has. Not everybody has that chance. Um, so uh, it has been amazing. I definitely want to to stay. I mean, I, I love investments. I, I can't say in a room because where I am, you know, I don't know what is going to be the next challenge and, and whether it's going to involve investment or investment with something else. Um, I know that I'm a big fan of technology um, and, and all its applications in the real world, including property. So I think somehow I want, and then anyway, yeah, Cizan is after all also a tech company, but um, you know, I also know that I, I like, um, I like being in an environment where things are changing, are happening, uh, where um, I can share my say, I can share my, my point of view, I can make a difference. So that's uh, that's really important in general. I, I've I've learned this about myself after you know several years of uh, working experience that uh, I thrive in an environment where I can I can bring uh, something to the table uh, because uh, because really I have a lot 
um, I, I, there's a lot I want to bring on the table. There's lots of commitment. And therefore, um, it's a shame if it's not used. No, thank you for sharing that. Um, and just kind of going back to knowing what is important to you, right? And knowing yourself, it's just, yeah. But it, I also think it's part of that journey about learning about yourself. You, 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 Things that you know today, you didn't know five years ago, you didn't know 10 years no. ago. So you kind of have to keep that open mind and keep that information coming in so that you can, you're ready to understand what it's telling you. But yeah. yeah, a couple of things that you said there was 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 resonated with me is that, you know, that importance of networking for sure. Um, that's something I didn't really appreciate when I first started out my career. And I think for me, it's also understanding that you have to do it continuously mm. all the time, right? And, you know, now it's a lot more, it's different the way that you can do it. I mean, COVID made us show that, you know, with technology, you can still keep in touch with people, uh, but it is something that you do need to spend time on. And the other thing that you said was about, you know, moving to Spain, choosing the country versus the job, and then also signing on your flat at the same time. It's like life will throw you so many things, but it doesn't mean you have to stop your life for no. it, right? And you just find a way to adapt and then you find a way to um, figure things out. And, you know, a solution will present itself and then you will carry on to something else too. Yeah, yeah, and and to add to that, um, I know it might not be easy all the times, but I, I also advise to do networking with with true interest. So when you go and decide, okay, today I'm going to this event, I'm talking to somebody. I mean, I prefer if I'm not in the mood, I, I choose somebody like just two three people I really want to talk to, and the rest I kind of avoid because otherwise I really want to be there with them. When I say it's nice to be to network when with really full presence, when you really are interested in learning mm. a bit more about the other pre person, not just okay, how can you help me? What or what can I what can I do for you if I say I need to sell a service? That is quite crude networking, which doesn't really go far. It doesn't really create the bonds that are needed. Um, so if you do it, you know, engage into it. That's the idea. I agree. And that was something that I spoke about with someone else is having that purpose, that true purpose, like understanding why you're there and what you're doing it, not because you're trying to sell something, but always think about it from the perspective of building your own network, your own profile, because you just never know where that's going to go. And like you said, creating those bonds and relationship, that's a very good reminder. Yeah. And um it was interesting you said, you know, they took a chance, looked beyond the CV. It was something that came up during this roundtable that we did um, last mm -hmm. week in Zurich. And we talked about, you know, when you look at one, the job description, whether it's, you know, uh, you look at the list of requirements and if women see that they can't do like, you know, 100% of it, they won't even apply. Yeah. Uh, what they put on their CVs, asking for what you want, putting yourself forward for things. And being more demanding of what you're worth as well. So that's the, that's great. But then also it's clear that, you know, there were also people that supported you along the way and gave you that opportunity, um, which is also important because you need to have those people in your lives as well to give you that, that chance. Um, yeah. What kind of support did you have throughout your career? Um, yeah, so... I would say, for sure, 
back to networking for sure i've had um some people have been mentors points of you know points of reference uh, some of them are still present in my life uh, some others have changed simply because as we were saying before the interest and what have become you know these two things have changed um yeah um People in the industry, um, my family for sure. Um, I mean, it's also fair to say they're not, they're not always supporting my choices to move around. Uh, I remember when I told my mother that I wanted to go to the States. And just to be clear, at that time, in 2010, it was my very first time flying like in the continental flight, you say, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and I remember arriving with this small, tiny little thing on, on a grass a huge piece of you know grass uh, like land uh, in Ithaca with you know with a it was very small it's almost an helicopter a huge helicopter <laughs> it's a very very like small plane uh, and that's because you know it was so such a small it's it's a very small place Ithaca where New York, uh, the Cornell University is located which is five thousand people but then it becomes thirty thousand people because of the university. Uh, uh, students yeah. um, so it was really an experience I do really remember it was quite of a shock arriving to the US in that way uh, but um, so when I told my mother that I wanted to leave London where I you know where I had a job where safety and everything to do this thing of course you know I'm not joking she didn't speak to me for like three weeks <laughs> and then I had to need I mean I needed my father to tell her look it's her life and it's fair if she decides you can be upset but she, you can't stop talking to her because she's in a very difficult period of her life now she, she needs to decide what she wants to do with her life this is a major decision you know consider that I had I had you know a boyfriend in London I had like friends I had a, I had some safety which I was gonna potentially um walk away, away from so I didn't need another layer of difficulty yeah. my mother at the time you know on top of everything she eventually change your mind uh, and then of course I in the meantime I made up my mind about what I wanted to do but in general terms um, despite these moments which by the way continued also in others when I also moved yeah. to the Netherlands clearly she was not happy after a total of nine years in London and the flat almost you know just bought uh, but, uh, but uh, they've been a pillar for me absolutely um, a point of reference in everything I've done um, and then um Nailing down even further, I I think I told you this, but I I confirmed that I need to I need I mean I have to also uh, be good to myself and and acknowledge the fact that I really worked hard mm. hard, hard to be where I am. Um, I remember those times I moved when I was in when I came to London when I went to London I was twenty five okay and then I of course I had done various courses of English but you know working in a company uh, it's uh it's not the same uh, and. Uh, I remember my first experience in Design International was uh, the architectural firm. I was going to all this, uh, after one year internship, they gave me business, they put me in business development. And then I, at that age, you know, I was going to uh, these conferences in North Africa. And you can imagine, <laughs> that was not an easy one. But I enjoyed it so much that I even managed to bring the very first shopping center to them in Tunisia. So I am really proud of that achievement uh despite it might not been probably the the, the the easiest setting for me to to you know to secure something like that uh, but that happened and then when after cornell i moved again to london then 
be part of the real estate community. Well, that meant being surrounded by lots of middle-aged white men most of the times, meeting at the pub for a pint. And that might have been, you know, could have been intimidating for most, but I enjoyed it. I It was a curious environment, let's put it in a way. So my curiosity prevailed over my, oh gosh, that's weird mm-hmm. sort of feeling. Um, and I've never felt, yeah, and I never felt that as an impediment, being, you know, a foreigner, female, all these things that we talk about all the times. Mm-hmm. Um, you can thrive, after all, in these environments, but just because you're different. And so, maybe yeah. it's the difference um, that shines the most to make you, yeah, to stand out. Yeah. And uh, looking at the time, I am going yeah. to move on to my final question, and that is who inspires you? Uh, you already asked me this question in the past, and um, I'm afraid my answer has not changed. Good. <laughs> um, because I'm, I, I'm still a strong believer of this answer, which is, uh, you know, people who look at themselves, who, who listen to themselves, and are in tune with what's happening to them and take decisions accordingly. And these decisions sometimes might, may, might be, mean also disrupting completely the status quo, especially uh, very difficult, especially if the status quo is uh, comfortable. Uh, you know, if you've been, if you have your own place, if you've been working a company for many years, if you, the company is international and therefore you carry a very heavy brand on yourself, which is after all the brand of the company. So these people then decide, you know what? This is all great. I'm very grateful for all of this, but after all, my call is different. Now I feel I need to do something else, which is different, which yeah, it's, gosh, it's so scary because it's unknown, but I know it's not this. And they take action, you know, they go off the cliff and and they, they you know, they swim in, in open water. These people, they are very inspirational to me. And you are one of them. Thank you. Told you already. I confirm. I really love the the change. You know the decision you made. Uh, how you're taking uh, ownership of your own future uh, based on how you feel at the moment, on what you you think. You know you might not be sure probably about what you want for yourself next, but you know that there was a different call for you that the the, the one you were responding to before, and. I mentioned my previous, you know, like supervisor, like same thing, Jasper, he did the same after 14 years of Citizen M. He loved the company and he loves the company. He's very close to all of us, but said, well, I need to follow my passion now. And uh, and he's doing incredibly as an entrepreneur. So these people are really inspirational. Well, thank you so much for sharing that and also giving me the courage uh, to carry on as well. Yeah. Thank you for all you're doing for us. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Thank you, Noreen. And thank you all. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were as inspired as I was by that story. Please follow us here and on LinkedIn where I post videos of the recordings. Stay tuned for many more stories of inspiring women in hospitality.